Limitless Love, June 16, 17, 18, and 19. The Great Commission of Love. And he said unto them, Go you into all the land, and preach the gospel of, to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Mark sixteen fifteen and 18. Why do so few believers fulfill the Great Commission? Why do so many who love the Lord and sincerely desire to please Him draw back from obeying this all-important command? In most cases, they're stopped by fear. They're reluctant to share the gospel with someone for fear of rejection. They're hesitant to lay hands on the sick for fear they won't get healed and terrified to deal with a demon because They'll look foolish if they can't cast it out. Some believers so desire to do what's right and serve the Lord, they try to push themselves past the fear by sheer determination. But that's not really the solution. Eventually, they get tired of the battle, give in to the fear, and go back into their shell. Well, then is the answer. Setting our sights on the commandment of love, asking the Lord to help us increase and abound in love towards people, Philippians 1.9. But that's not enough. Faith and prayer calls for action, faith in action. We begin by confessing love. I love the Lord God with all my heart and all my soul and all my might. I love my neighbor as myself. Then we can forget about ourselves and reach out to them. Instead of trying to force ourselves into the role of the bold witness of faith and power, we then can just let God love people through us. We can let love open our eyes to their hurts and their needs, and when we see them, we can simply look to God and say, Lord, show me what to do for this person. Show me what to say to bless them and share your love with them. Then when we open our hearts to love that way, we open the door for God to move through us in power. We'll forget about being embarrassed and stop worrying about being rejected. We'll quit focusing on how we look to others and focus instead on meeting their needs. When that happens, the gift of the Spirit can begin to flow through us. God can use us to speak His words. Minister his deliverance and transmit his healing power. He can use us to convey his love. That experience is so thrilling that once we have it, we'll not only be willing to share the good news of Jesus wherever we go, we'll jump at every opportunity, we'll find our greatest joy in obeying the Great Commission of Love. Amen. June 17, Overcoming Evil with Good. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourself, but rather give place unto the wrath. 
For it is written, vengeance is mine. Something wrong here, huh? <laughs> so it's, dearly beloved, avenge not yourself, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, said the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him a drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Romans 12, 19, 21. Boy, I never noticed that. It says, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written. In other words, set the enemy up as he comes to hit you. Uh, let the Lord repay. The Lord says, I will repay. Therefore, if I enemies hunger, feed him. So you understand what it's saying? It says, dearly beloved, avenge not yourself. I said, don't get even, but rather line the guy up for the big guns. Give place, but rather give place unto wrath. <laughs> for it is written. In other words, set him up for God's wrath. <laughs> for vengeance is mine. It's kind of like, wow, let's see what the big guns are going to do to this cat that's coming at you. That's what I'm getting out of it. Let me go ahead and read it to you out of the Amplified Bible. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave the way open for God's wrath and his judicial righteousness. <laughs> for it is written in Scripture, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, okay, in other words, if he's humble, feed him. You know, we certainly would do that, right? If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. In other words, he'll get embarrassed. Okay. This may refer to an ancient Egyptian custom in which a penitent person, see? A penitent person carried a bowl of burning embers on his head to show his shame and guilt. By analogy, being kind to an enemy may lead him to shame and repentance. And most of our enemies are not in that category. Have you noticed? Ah, but this person is still uh, spouting on um, venom. Venom it says, but, okay, if, but if. So it doesn't fall into their category. Not you have to stay, you have to line up the big guns to those buts that won't change but if your enemy is hungry um i heard a minister say god sick them thank you god for this person get them that person is bothering me lord get them <laughs> amen not a christian thing to do but it, it is scriptural it says right here line them up for the big guns to come in and you know put on his judicial righteousness on that person. I love the way the Amplified Bible says it here. Amen. Do not be overcome by evil. And do not be overcome and conquered by evil, the Amplified says, but overcome evil with good. So the way we're handling this guy is with Psalms 23. Putting them in an envelope, praying for them for 23 days, Psalm 23. Folks, 
Ain't no one in his life probably has, but I doubt it, that has prayed that like that for that person for that long of a time. Really. So you, you'll be doing the Great Commission, the intercession thing, and God has brought this stubborn person that is, is spouting out uh, venom for the enemy, for Satan, and you're to handle him, okay? We are the warriors and the children of God. We can do this. Amen? I can easily say that because right now my it's peaceful, but I'm gonna, I got to get back in the fight again and understand what the fight is, praising and thanking the Lord for the person and praying, being prayered up. Another point is you have to, if the person does repent and has shame, the Lord humbles them, then you probably have to do some kind of work around him, like give him a ride, help him with something. There's, it's going to follow up with some kind of physical work towards the person. And, and then that will be the fulfillment of the prayer with physical work or some kind of something, or even you say something good about that person, okay? Instead of dashing out like someone says something good about that person and hold your tongue when someone asks you about the situation. Amen. We can do this, folks. We can do it scripturally. I'm praying for you that you will succeed in listening to these over and over again. And we can go back to people that have passed away already and write their names down and bring the situation to life and put and set it right before the God. Set it right, at least in our hearts, so we can let go properly and not go around miserable or, you know, uh, resentful for past situations. We can write them down and bring up to God, and we can dissolve that situation in the manner uh, that is written in the Bible, through love. Okay, let's keep going. Kenny Copeland, June 17th. Excuse me. Yeah, June 17th, Romans 12, 19 to 21. Let's go ahead and uh, let's just read this one more different translation. Let me go ahead and go to the... Um, Passion Translation, and see what down-to-earth information we can gleam out of this, so we'll put a rest to this so it's thoroughly understood by us and by the masses. Thank you. Passion Translation. Where is the Passion Translation? It's the Passion Translation. There it is. Okay, verse 19. I love the Word of God. I wish we had 48 hours a day. Beloved, don't be obsessed with taking revenge, but leave that to God's righteous justice. Okay? For the Scripture says, Vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord. Hey, let the Lord, He wants to get out. Let me at Him. Let me at Him. Get out of the way. And if your enemy is hungry... Buy him lunch, if he says he's hungry to you, okay? I doubt it, but if. Win him over with kindness, okay? Like, who wouldn't want to help a humble person, right? You and I, our hearts go out to a humble person. 
for your surprising generosity will awaken his consciousness. And God will reward you with favor. I told you there's a reward. You know, there's an answer. It's kind of hard to believe that there's an answer in back of that resentful person that we got a resentful with. And we go back in time and we found out there's a lot of rewards, untapped rewards, folks. So a lot of us that have a lot of those, man, we got a, we're rich. We got a lot of rewards. Just do it properly. Write it down and pray for them for 23 days. Psalm 23, the Lord is Joel's shepherd. He shall not want. The Lord makes them lay down in green pastures. Amen. And then you go on and keep mentioning their name, what the Lord is. The Lord is Joel's shepherd. The Lord makes them lay down in green pastures. The Lord anoints his head with oil. His cup runs over. Surely Joel will walk in the ways of God. Mercy and love shall follow him all the days. You're declaring, you're praying, you're prophesying. You're, you're opening the way for him to go to heaven and to be changed. Okay, and there's a reward in it for us. Incidentally, a lot of us have gotten hurt trying to help those people. You know, they turn around and taking money from your checking account when you're trying to help a family get themselves back in it. I have, you know, thousand dollars were taken out of my account by the very person right under my nose. And I had to forgive them. They had two little kids. And the guy was just a snake. And the Lord tried to tell me, tried to put a little uh, information that I got obsessed. That's why there's Elanon, folks, for the people that are obsessed, trying to help other people, and then you get hurt. Because the only obsession should be working on ourselves, reading and developing, and self-care. If we can be an example of self-care, in other words, proper boundaries, then we can help others a lot by our demonstration how to handle life and how to how to help others intelligently, you know. And I had to break away. I was trying to get, you know, with all the time, getting my brother to do this and do that, that his life would be better. Don't let his grandkids bring in animals to the house. Uh, they don't have a lot of animals. They just brought this cute little puppy that's pooping all over the place. My brother's got um, a rash. So I said, get that dog out of there. <laughs> anyway, I have to stay away. I have to say, they know what we're thinking already. Amen. Okay, let's move on here before my brother listens to this podcast. Thank you. Okay. June 17, one more time. Overcoming evil with good. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourself, but rather give place unto wrath. I love the way it says, give place unto wrath. You know, put the man on the highway that God is going to bump into him. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay. Put him on my lane. Put him on my lane, says the Lord God. Therefore, if thine enemy is hunger, probably after God gets done with him, then, the Lord says, he should be hungry by then, after I get done with him. Therefore, if if thine enemy uh, hunger, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. See, there's the action. So, for in doing so, 
Thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. And what's the good? Praying for Psalm 23 for them. We can do this, folks. Love can overcome evil in a way that nothing else ever will, says Kenny Copeland. It can renew the mind of a person who has been brainwashed with the lies of the devil. It can dissolve hatred, destroy prejudice, and bring tears of repentance to eyes so blinded by deception they simply cannot see. I not only know that from the scripture, I've seen it work in my own family, and I can tell you it's an awesome thing. Love changed the life of my grandfather when he was 70 years old. Although he was a first-rate farmer in a ranch, a sharp-minded Cherokee Indian man who knew how to make a good living farming the land, he was uneducated and mostly raised himself in the wilds of West Texas. He couldn't study things out, like the Bible, on his own. So, to a great extent, he was the subject of the prejudice and opinions of others. Back then, the people around him believed and taught that the black man was made to be an animal of burden. They told him black people had no souls, so you could treat them any way you wanted and to, and it didn't really matter. As untrained as he was, my grandfather couldn't believe all that. He knew God, and he knew somehow it just wasn't right to mistreat someone God created, no matter what color they were. But because of ignorance, that devilish idea that black people were different still influenced his mind. At 70, he got cancer and ended up in the hospital. Little more than skin and bones, the nurse who cared for him was a black woman. And every day she would lift him up from his bed and tend to him as loving as a mother would with a baby. That's all right, sweetheart, she said to him. You just relax. I am taking care of you. I'm taking care of you. One day she was holding him. The whole pack of lies had been told was just swept away by her love. With tears running down his face, he cried out, how could someone this full of love be without a soul? It ain't so. It ain't so. The love in that woman broke through the racial lies he's been told all of his life. It broke through man-made traditions. It demolished the deception of evil and replaced it with God's truth. Just so you know, that's not the end of the story. The hospital sent my grandfather home to die. But he didn't. My mother sat by his side, loving and praying for him until he was completely healed. When all was said and done, love restored his body and his soul. Love triumphed and overcome evil with good. What a story, huh? Getting teary-eyed here, folks. Amen. Okay, moving on. June 18th. Speaking the truth in love. Proverbs sixteen twenty one, The wise in heart shall be called prudent, and the sweetness of the lips increaseth learning. In the Passion Translation, it reads, 
The one with a wise heart is called discerning. And speaking swiftly, sweetly to others makes your teaching even more convincing. Wow. Am I speaking sweetly to you, dear ones? And now the Amplified Bible says, The wise in heart will be called understanding, and sweet speech increases persuasiveness and learning in both speaker and listener. How about that? That is amazing and incredible and entertaining for the understanding or for the, the wise in heart, huh? To be learning through the Holy Spirit, both speaker and listener. Give me a break. Doesn't get it. No, don't give me a break. Doesn't it get better than it doesn't get any better than that? That is a wonderful thing to have the Holy Spirit inside us. And then verse 22 says, understanding spiritual insight is a refreshing and boundless wellspring of life to those who have it. Understanding. Understanding spiritual insight, as Jesus said, out of the belly, the person will flow rivers of living life. Spiritual insight is a refreshing and boundless wellspring of life to those who have it. But to give instruction and correction to fools is foolish. See, here's where Elanon comes in, right in this passage. We trying to give instruction and correction to fools is foolishness. Why is it foolishness? Because it has a backlash. We get uh, um, suicide thoughts when the person just can't, we can't fake somebody. We start uh, eating ourselves up. We start tearing ourselves down. We start thinking it's our fault. Hey, folks, the 12-step program of Al-Anon got this correct right here, and it helps so many people that... It's not wrong helping others. It's just that we let it get to our souls and we have gone overboard. And it has become a habit. And we, we turn to ourselves. 23 says, The heart of the wise instructs his mouth in wisdom and adds persuasiveness to his lips. Am I using persuasiveness, dear one? 24, pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweet and delightful to the soul and healing to the body. You know, this thing gives me hope that I have a system now that I can go back and fix my computer, myself, my emotions, because I was wrong in many areas. I was trying to do good, and I got punched in the nose. I was trying to be pleasant, and I got, you know. Anyway, let's move on. June 18, speaking the truth and love. Again, Proverbs 16, 21. The wise in heart shall be called prudent, and the sweetness of the lips increaseth learning. This is good for an attorney's, huh? Sometimes when believers begin to find out what the Word of God says and gain some spiritual discernment, they become harsh and abrasive to others. If they see someone else making a mistake, they're quick to point it out and correct that person. They speak scriptural truth, yes, but instead of being blessed by the truth, those who receive it end up feeling hurt or condemned. It can be tempting just to shrug off others' hurt feelings and say, well, it's just my job to tell people the truth. They can't do with it what they want. 
But that's not what the Bible says for us to do. It doesn't just instruct us to tell people the truth. It says we should speak the truth in love. Ephesians 4.15 How we approach something determines to a great degree how well people can receive it. Words that bless and are full of kindness and genuine concern for the well-being of another enhances that person's ability to learn from them. On the other hand, words that are accurate but cold and uncaring rarely help anyone. It's love that makes the truth receivable. Again, it is love that makes the message receivable. It is love. Even the gospel messages, as powerful as it is, will often be rejected by people who otherwise want it. When it is preached without a spirit of love, we can preach salvation with a tone of judgment and an attitude that we're holier than thou and actually rob people of the ability to receive it. But if we will speak to them about it in love, their defense will start to fall when they hear not only our words, but the compassion behind them. Their hearts will open up and they'll want to hear what we have to say. They'll want to accept and embrace it instead of pushing it away. So before we jump out and just start telling people everything we see and all the truth we know, we need to check our hearts. We need to ask, why am I saying these things? Why am I talking? Am I just trying to show how much I know? Am I trying to be the big shot teacher and corrector? Or am I genuinely and deeply concerned about this person? If we truly desire to speak from a motivational of love, motivation, the majority of the time we'll clothe our words with gentleness and kindness will emphasize the goodness of God and his love for that person rather than magnifying what they're done wrong. After all, the Bible says it is the goodness of God that leads to repentance, Romans 2, 4. It's his love in our hearts and in our lips that will inspire and encourage others to change. Amen and amen. And we can easily get that across if we pray Psalm 23 before we approach anyone and everything. And our even our days, we can pray Psalm 23 for our days. For instance, we'll pray for tomorrow. We'll say, the Lord is tomorrow's shepherd and I shall not want in tomorrow's events. The Lord makes tomorrow lie down in green pastures. The Lord leads tomorrow in paths of righteousness. The Lord restores tomorrow. Let's see how to get this right. In other words, you can say your time. Anyway, just say yourself, the Lord is my shepherd in my tomorrows. I shall not want. The Lord makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me besides the still waters. The Lord restores my soul in my tomorrows. Yes, even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death. No, excuse me. The Lord is my shepherd. I will walk in righteousness for his name's sake. 
Okay, I'm getting off something here. It's not coming out properly, but you know what? You know what I'm trying to say. Thank you. One more, and I think I need to stop. <laughs> here we go. Limitless love, June 19. No sympathy, just love. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. 1 John 4, 4, New American Standard. As believers, we're to love people who are hurting. We are to love those in need. Notice I said love them, not sympathize with them. Love and sympathy are totally different things. They're not even kind to one another. Sympathy is a sense of pity that comes from the human mind and emotions. Sympathy virtually says, Oh, I feel so sorry for you. I wish there was something I could do for you. Sympathy seems outwardly sweet, but it has no true power to help. Sympathy just agrees with the hopelessness of the situation. Love, however, grabs a hand of faith, goes to God and says, Lord, what do you want me to do here? You're the great one and you're inside me. So let's apply your power and change this situation. Thank you for this situation just the way it is, Lord. And I can start on step one, Lord, and how you see this situation. I'll never forget the first time I stepped into the revelation of love. It was back in the days when I was working as a pilot for Brother Oral Roberts. I had flown him to a meeting for the first time, and I was assigned to help with the ministry of the sick. I was absolutely overwhelmed when I walked into the auditorium that day. There were several thousand people there, and almost all of them were sick. Many were terminally ill. The atmosphere was thick with the fear and oppression of pain and disease. I took one look at that place, turned around, and walked out. It scared me so bad, I decided right then I was going home. When my feet hit the sidewalk outside, however, the Lord stopped me cold. He literally stuck my feet to the pavement. What do you want, I asked. I want to know where you think you're going, he said. You know perfectly well where I'm going, Lord. I'm going home. It's terrible in there, and I don't have anything to offer those people. With a force that almost knocked me down, he answered. I know you don't, Kenneth, but I do. That's why I baptized you in the Holy Ghost. I did it so you could take my power and deliver it to people who need it. I did it so you could destroy the works of the devil in the lives of people just like those. Suddenly, the scripture rose up in my heart. Greater is he that is in you. And I realized I didn't have to settle for sympathizing with people. I had the power of God to actually love them. I had within me the power that could change their condition. I turned right back around and marched into the place with a boldness I never had before. I went in there and saw the sick heal. I saw the oppressed delivered. I saw miracles happen. I saw what the power of love can do.
Limitless Love for June 20, 21st, and 22nd. Articles by Kenneth and Gloria Copeland. June 20th. Love gives the answer of the Lord. Love gives the answer of the Lord. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answers of the tongue is from the Lord. Proverbs 16.1, New American Standard. The more we develop in love and in the knowledge of the word, the more we desire to give answers to people who are struggling, especially when they are reaching out to us for help. We must be cautious, however, that the answers we give them isn't just the latest formula from a CD we heard or a book we read. We shouldn't just spout off the first things that come to our minds. If we're really going to help people, we need to love them enough to search our hearts for the words they specifically need to hear. We need to take the time to give them the answers that assist from the Lord. Sometimes that's tough to do because pride in human nature will pressure us to come up with something brilliant in a hurry. We'll be tempted to make it appear that we immediately have all the answers. But if we're truly walking in love, we'll resist the temptation. We'll be humble enough to say, I wish I had an answer for you, but I don't really know what to tell you right now. So let's get quiet here for a few minutes. Let's seek the Lord and see what he has to say. Then we can take the time to turn inward and find the Holy Spirit's leading. We can receive from him the wisdom he promised to give to those who ask. This, that specific wisdom can make all the difference. A fellow minister once told me of an elderly woman he went to visit in the early days of his healing ministry. She had been diagnosed with cancer and was in the hospital, dying. At first, this minister just jumped in and started teaching her about healing. He told her she was redeemed from the curse of sickness. He told her that by the straps of Jesus, she was healed. But those truths didn't seem to help this woman at all. The minister loved her enough to keep trying, though. So he kept coming to see her, searching his heart for the wisdom of God. Finally, one day he was reading Psalm 91 to her. And when he reached the verse that said, With long life will I satisfy him. In this, the little lady perked up. So he read it again. With long life will I satisfy him. Suddenly, this minister realized he discovered the key. Sister, he said, are you satisfied with your life and your service to God? Do you think you've done everything he wants you to do? I don't think so. We younger people need your wisdom. We need you to help us. Sure enough, that dear woman's eyes filled with tears, and she said, I want to do that. I want to help young people. Within a few days, she was out of the hospital and in church testifying about her healing. She got the help she needed because someone loved her enough to search out the words she needed to hear. Someone cared enough to give her the answers of the Lord. June 21st, 
God gives the reward. Luke 6, 35 and 36. But love you, your enemies, and do good, and land, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and you shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be you therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. Luke six thirty five and 36. Have you ever known someone so touchy and easily offended you simply didn't know how to deal with them? Have you ever encountered someone who refused to like you, no matter how hard you tried? If you have it, you will. There are plenty of them to go around. When you do, there's only one scriptural course of action to take. You must take the path of love. Oh no, you might say, don't tell me that if I do something loving for this person, they won't respond. Well, they just reject me or criticize me again. It's too hard to love them. I can't do it. Yes, you can. If you're born again, you'll have the ability to love like God loves. The Bible says he is good to the unthankful and the evil, so you can be good to them too. To successfully do that, however, you must follow the instructions Jesus gives us and truly expect nothing in return. What Jesus asks us to do is to love people for one reason and one reason only. Because we want to please our Heavenly Father. We are to love others not because they earn it or deserve it. We are to love them not because they bless us and make us feel good. We are to love them because God loves them and we are ambassadors for Him. Although that kind of love may not always bring a swift and sweet response, it can change people's lives. I'll never forget one particular time when Gloria expressed that kind of love for me. I've been irritable and hard to deal with that day. Nothing she did or said seemed to please me. Finally, I was trying to have a fuss with her. It was hard because she wouldn't participate, and I barked off some harsh words. Instead of barking back, she looked up at me with tears in her eyes and said, I am going to find some way to be a blessing to you. When she said that, the spirit of love behind it, which is truly the spirit of God, hit my heart and absolutely turned my life around. I haven't been the same since. Hopefully, I've been more rewarding to live with. But even if I haven't, Gloria would still have been richly blessed. Because when someone loves like that, it's God himself who gives the reward. June 22nd. Rebel against the devil and enjoy the good of the land. In Isaiah chapter 1, verses 19 to 20, it says, If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Again, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. As believers, we need to settle this fact in our hearts. Walking in love is not a suggestion. The Lord has given us. 
It's not a nice thing to do or just a good idea. Walking in love is the New Testament commandment. When we walk in obedience to that command with a willing heart, we open the door to the blessing of God. We open the door to supernatural prosperity. We open the door to health and healing. We open the door to peace and well-being in every area of our lives. The reverse is also true. When we disobey the command of love and yield to things like bitterness, irritation, unforgiveness, and selfishness, we throw open the door to the devil. We give him an open invitation to come in with his sword of destruction and cut up our lives. That's why the devil fights us so hard over the issue of love. That's why the moment we begin to study about love and commit ourselves to walk in it, the devil will try to see to it that someone challenges us. He'll try to make sure that someone does something to thoroughly offend us. He knows that if we truly begin to live our lives according to love, we'll get out of his reach. So he tries to pull us back into a life of strife. Once when I was preaching a series of meetings about the love of God in a church in South Texas, the devil pulled that kind of stunt and got the song director in a fuss with someone in the church. Right in the middle of the meeting, believe it or not, the guy got so mad, he threw a songbook while I was preaching about love. Lord, I said, what on earth is going on here? The Lord said, Love is so powerful, it casts the devil and all his works right out of people's lives. So he's doing his best to throw a fit on his way out, hoping you'll be back off a little and let him back in. When the devil does that, you don't fall for it. Don't back off your love walk one bit. Just keep on being willing and obedient. Instead of getting mad at the person who offended you, Get mad at the devil and rebel against him. Determine, I'm going to be more loving still. I'll be more kinder still than i ever been to that person. I'll not only forgive them, I'll give them a hug. I'll send them a card. I'll buy them a gift. I'll pray Psalm 23 for them for 23 days. Keep right on obeying the command of love and demolish the plan of Satan. Make him sit and watch while you enjoy the good land. Hallelujah. Amen. These seems like a tall order. It's best that we pray Psalm 23 for our enemies. List them all in one piece of paper. All you, the enemies, any kind of fiddle-faddle, any kind of uh, smoke that's coming out of the situation, just write everybody's name down. Put them on a seal envelope, write 23 days in it, today's date, and then and then just start praying a simple Psalm 23 for the envelope, reaching it up to God. The Holy Spirit will bring out those people that are really uh, need prayer and that there's really a blessing in it for us. There's a blessing and an answer in our enemies. Huh. There's a reward in us praying in this simple matter, pray Psalm 23 for them, and the Holy Spirit will bring out again, will bring out the significant game. Say you have 50 of them. 
Out of 50, about five or seven will keep popping up and then concentrate another 23 days for those five or seven and then go on, keep sifting, sifting and receiving rewards and staying in love. Staying in love is a simple program to stay in love and clean our hearts and help others at the same time. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face upon you. May the Lord sanctify you. May the Lord hold you and give you his wisdom and his love. May the Lord reward you. He is your redeemer. The Lord God is your sanctification. The Lord is your righteousness, your right standing and your right conduct. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen and amen. Let's get fired up about this thing. Limitless Love, June 16, 17, 18, and 19. The Great Commission of Love. And he said unto them, Go you into all the land and preach the gospel of, to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Mark sixteen fifteen and 18. Why do so few believers fulfill the Great Commission? Why do so many who love the Lord and sincerely desire to please Him draw back from obeying this all-important command? In most cases, they're stopped by fear. They're reluctant to share the gospel with someone for fear of rejection. They're hesitant to lay hands on the sick for fear they won't get healed and terrified to deal with a demon because they'll look foolish if they can't cast it out. Some believers so desire to do what's right and serve the Lord, they try to push themselves past the fear by sheer determination. But that's not really the solution. Eventually, they get tired of the battle, give in to the fear, and go back into their shell. Well, then is the answer. Setting our sights on the commandment of love, asking the Lord to help us increase and abound in love towards people, Philippians 1.9. But that's not enough. Faith and prayer calls for action, faith in action. We begin by confessing love. I love the Lord God with all my heart and all my soul and all my might. I love my neighbor as myself. Then we can forget about ourselves and reach out to them. Instead of trying to force ourselves into the role of the bold witness of faith and power, we then can just let God love people through us. We can let love open our eyes to their hurts and their needs, and when we see them, we can simply look to God and say, Lord, show me what to do for this person. Show me what to say to bless them and share your love with them. Then when we open our hearts to love that way, 
we open the door for God to move through us in power. We'll forget about being embarrassed and stop worrying about being rejected. We'll quit focusing on how we look to others and focus instead on meeting their needs. When that happens, the gift of the Spirit can begin to flow through us. God can use us to speak His words, minister His deliverance, and transmit His healing power. He can use us to convey His love. That experience is so thrilling that once we have it, we'll not only be willing to share the good news of Jesus wherever we go, we'll jump at every opportunity, we'll find our greatest joy in obeying the great commission of love. Amen. June 17, overcoming evil with good. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourself, but rather give place unto the raft, for it is written, vengeance is mine. Something wrong here, huh? <laughs> so, dearly beloved, avenge not yourself, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, said the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him a drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Romans 12, 19, 21. Boy, I never noticed that. It says, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written. In other words, set the enemy up as he comes to hit you. Uh, let the Lord repay. The Lord says, I will repay. Therefore, if my enemy's hunger, feed him. So, you understand what it's saying? It says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourself. I said, Don't get even, but rather line the guy up for the big guns. Give place, but rather give place unto wrath. <laughs> for it is written. In other words, set him up for God's wrath. <laughs> for vengeance is mine. It's kind of like, Wow, let's see what the big guns are going to do to this cat that's coming at you. That's what I'm getting out of it. Let me go ahead and read it to you out of the Amplified Bible. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave the way open for God's wrath and his judicial righteousness. <laughs> for it is written in Scripture, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, okay, in other words, if he's humble, feed him. You know, we certainly would do that, right? If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. In other words, he'll get embarrassed. Okay. This may refer to an ancient Egyptian custom in which a penitent person, see? A penitent person carried a bowl of burning embers on his head to show his shame and guilt. By analogy, being kind to an enemy may lead him to shame and repentance. And most of our enemies are not in that category. Have you noticed? Ah, but this person is still uh, spouting on um, venom. Venom. It says, but, okay, if, but if. 
So it doesn't fall into their category. Not you have to stay, you have to line up the big guns to those butts that won't change. But if your enemy is hungry. Um, I heard a minister say, God, sick them. Thank you, God, for this person. Get them. That person is bothering me, Lord. Get them. <laughs> Amen. Not a Christian thing to do, but it, it is scriptural. It says right here, line them up for the big guns to come in and, you know, put on his judicial righteousness on that person. I love the way the Amplified Bible says it here. Amen. Do not be overcome by evil. And do not be overcome and conquered by evil, the Amplified says, but overcome evil with good. So the way we're handling this guy is with Psalms 23, putting him in an envelope, praying for them for 23 days, Psalm 23. Folks, ain't no one in his life, probably has, but I doubt it, that has prayed that like that for that person for that long of a time. Really. So you, you'll be doing the Great Commission, the intercession thing, and God has brought this stubborn person that is is spouting out uh, venom for the enemy, for Satan, and you're to handle him, okay? We are the warriors and the children of God. We can do this. Amen? I can easily say that because right now my it's peaceful. But I'm gonna, I got to get back in the fight again and understand what the fight is. Praising and thanking the Lord for the person and praying, being prayered up. Another point is you'll have to, if the person does repent and has shame, the Lord humbles them, then you probably have to do some kind of work around him, like give him a ride, help him with something. There's, it's going to follow up with some kind of physical work towards the person. And and then that will be the fulfillment of the prayer with physical work or some kind of something, or even you say something good about that person, okay? Instead of dashing out like someone say something good about that person and hold your tongue when someone asks you about the situation. Amen. We can do this, folks. We can do it scripturally. I'm praying for you that you will succeed in listening to these over and over again. And we can go back to people that have passed away already and write their names down and bring the situation to life and put and set it right before the God. Set it right, at least in our hearts, so we can let go properly and not go around miserable or, you know, uh, resentful for past situations. We can write them down and bring up to God and we can dissolve that situation in the manner uh, that is written in the Bible through love. Okay, let's keep going. Kenny Copeland, June 17, excuse me. Yeah, June 17, Romans 12, 19 to 21. Let's go ahead and... Uh, Let's just read this one more different translation. Let me go ahead and go to the um, Passion Translation and see what down-to-earth information we can gleam out of this. So 
We'll put a rest to this so it's thoroughly understood by us and by the masses. Thank you. Passion translation. Where is the passion translation? It's the passion translation. There it is. Okay, verse 19. I love the word of God. I wish we had 48 hours a day. Beloved, don't be obsessed with taking revenge, but leave that to God's righteous justice. Okay? For the scripture says, vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord. Hey, let the Lord, he wants to get out. Go, let me at him, let me at him, get out of the way. And if your enemy is hungry, buy him lunch. If he says he's hungry to you, okay? I doubt it. But if, win him over with kindness, okay? Like, who wouldn't want to help a humble person, right? You and I, our hearts go out to a humble person. For your surprising generosity will awaken his consciousness. And God will reward you with favor. I told you, there's a reward. You know, there's an answer it's kind of hard to believe that there's an answer in back of that resentful person that we got resentful with. And we go back in time and we found out there's a lot of rewards, untapped rewards, folks. So a lot of us that have a lot of those, man, we got a, we're rich. We got a lot of rewards. Just do it properly. Write it down. And pray for them for 23 days. Psalm 23. The Lord is Joel's shepherd. He shall not want. The Lord makes them lay down in green pastures. Amen. And then you go on and keep mentioning their name, what the Lord is. The Lord is Joel's shepherd. The Lord makes them lay down in green pastures. The Lord anoints his head with oil. His cup runs over. Surely Joel will walk in the ways of God. Mercy and love shall follow him all the days. You're declaring, you're praying, you're prophesying. You're, you're opening the way for him to let, go to heaven and to be changed, okay? And there's a reward in it for us. Incidentally, a lot of us have gotten hurt trying to help those people. You know, they turn around and taking money from your checking account when you're trying to help a family get themselves back in it. I have, you know, thousands of were taken out of my account by the very person right under my nose. And I had to forgive them. They had two little kids. And the guy was just a snake. And the Lord tried to tell me, tried to put a little uh, information that I got obsessed. That's why there's Elanon, folks, for the people that are obsessed, trying to help other people, and then you get hurt. Because the only obsession should be working on ourselves, reading and developing, and self-care. If we can be an example of self-care, in other words, proper boundaries, then we can help others a lot by our demonstration how to handle life and how to how to help others intelligently, you know. And I had to break away. I was trying to get, you know, with all the time, getting my brother to do this and do that, that his life would be better. Don't let his grandkids bring in animals to the house. Uh, they don't have a lot of animals. They just brought this cute little puppy that's pooping all over the place. My brother's got um, a rash. So I said, get that dog out of there. <laughs> anyway, 
I have to stay away. I have to say, they know what we're thinking already. Amen. Okay, let's move on here before my brother listens to this podcast. Thank you. Okay, June 17, one more time. Overcoming evil with good. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourself, but rather give place unto wrath. I love the way it says, give place unto wrath. You know, put the man on the highway that God is going to bump into him. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay. Put him on my lane. Put him on my lane, says the Lord God. Therefore, if thine enemy is hunger, probably after God gets done with him, then the Lord says he should be hungry by then after I get done with him. Therefore, if if thine enemy uh, hunger, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. See, there's the action. So, for in doing so, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. And what's the good? Praying for Psalm 23 for them. We can do this, folks. Love can overcome evil in a way that nothing else ever will, says Kenneth Copeland. It can renew the mind of a person who has been brainwashed with the lies of the devil. It can dissolve hatred, destroy prejudice, and bring tears of repentance to eyes so blinded by deception they simply cannot see. I not only know that from the scripture, I've seen it work in my own family, and I can tell you it's an awesome thing. Love changed the life of my grandfather when he was 70 years old. Although he was a first-rate farmer in a ranch, a sharp-minded Cherokee Indian man who knew how to make a good living farming the land, he was uneducated and mostly raised himself in the wilds of West Texas. He couldn't study things out, like the Bible, on his own. So, to a great extent, he was the subject of the prejudice and opinions of others. Back then, the people around him believed and taught that the black man was made to be an animal of burden. They told him black people had no souls, so you could treat them any way you wanted and to, and it didn't really matter. As untrained as he was, my grandfather couldn't believe all that. He knew God, and he knew somehow it just wasn't right to mistreat someone God created, no matter what color they were. But because of ignorance, that devilish idea that black people were different still influenced his mind. At 70, he got cancer and ended up in the hospital. Little more than skin and bones, the nurse who cared for him was a black woman, and every day she would lift him up from his bed and tend to him as loving as a mother would with a baby. That's all right, sweetheart, she said to him. You just relax. I am taking care of you. I'm taking care of you. One day, she was holding him. The whole pack of lies had been told was just swept away by her love. With tears running down his face, he cried out, How could someone this full of love be without a soul? It ain't so. It ain't so. 
The love in that woman broke through the racial lies he's been told all of his life. It broke through man-made traditions. It demolished the deception of evil and replaced it with God's truth. Just so you know, that's not the end of the story. The hospital sent my grandfather home to die, but he didn't. My mother sat by his side, loving and praying for him until he was completely healed. When all was said and done, love restored his body and his soul. Love triumphed and overcome evil with good. <laughs> what a story, huh? Getting teary-eyed here, folks. Amen. Okay, moving on. June 18th, speaking the truth in love. Proverbs sixteen twenty one, the wise in heart shall be called prudent, and the sweetness of the lips increaseth learning. In the Passion Translation, it reads, the one with a wise heart is called discerning, and speaking swiftly, sweetly to others makes your teaching even more convincing. Wow. Am I speaking sweetly to you, dear ones? And now the Amplified Bible says, The wise in heart will be called understanding, and sweet speech increases persuasiveness, and learning in both speaker and listener. How about that? That is amazing and incredible and entertaining for the understanding or for the, the wise in heart, huh? To be learning through the Holy Spirit, both speaker and listener. Give me a break. Doesn't get it. No, don't give me a break. Doesn't it get better than it doesn't get any better than that? That is a wonderful thing to have the Holy Spirit inside us. And then verse 22 says, understanding spiritual insight is a refreshing and boundless wellspring of life to those who have it. Understanding. Understanding spiritual insight, as Jesus said, out of the belly the person will flow rivers of living life. Spiritual insight is a refreshing and boundless wellspring of life to those who have it. But to give instruction and correction to fools is foolish. See, here's where Elanon comes in, right in this passage. We trying to give instruction and correction to fools is foolishness. Why is it foolishness? Because it has a backlash. We get uh, um, suicide thoughts when the person just can't, we can't fix somebody. We start uh, eating ourselves up. We start tearing ourselves down. We start thinking it's our fault. Hey, folks, the 12-step program of Al-Anon got this correct right here, and it helps so many people that... It's not wrong helping others. It's just that we let it get to our souls and we have gone overboard. And it has become a habit. And we, we turn to ourselves. 23 says, The heart of the wise instructs his mouth in wisdom and adds persuasiveness to his lips. Am I using persuasiveness, dear one? 24 Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweet and delightful to the soul and healing to the body. You know, this thing gives me hope that I have a system now that I can go back and fix my computer, myself, my emotions. 
because I was wrong in many areas. I was trying to do good and I got punched in the nose. I was trying to be pleasant and I got, you know. Anyway, let's move on. June 18, speaking the truth in love. Again, Proverbs 16, 21. Little wise in heart shall be called prudent and the sweetness of the lips increaseth learning. This is good for an attorney's, huh? Sometimes when believers begin to find out what the Word of God says and gain some spiritual discernment, they become harsh and abrasive to others. If they see someone else making a mistake, they're quick to point it out and correct that person. They speak scriptural truth, yes, but instead of being blessed by the truth, those who receive it end up feeling hurt or condemned. It can be tempting just to shrug off others' hurt feelings and say, well, it's just my job to tell people the truth. They can't do with it what they want. But that's not what the Bible says for us to do. It doesn't just instruct us to tell people the truth. It says we should speak the truth in love. Ephesians 4.15 How we approach something determines to a great degree how well people can receive it. Words that bless and are full of kindness and genuine concern for the well-being of another enhances that person's ability to learn from them. On the other hand, words that are accurate but cold and uncaring rarely help anyone. It's love that makes the truth receivable. Again, it is love that makes the message receivable. It is love. Even the gospel messages, as powerful as it is, will often be rejected by people who otherwise want it. When it's, it is preached without a spirit of love, we can preach salvation with a tone of judgment and an attitude that we're holier than thou and actually rob people of the ability to receive it. But if we will speak to them about it in love, their defense will start to fall when they hear not only our words, but the compassion behind them. Their hearts will open up and they'll want to hear what we have to say. They'll want to accept and embrace it instead of pushing it away. So before we jump out and just start telling people everything we see and all the truth we know, we need to check our hearts. We need to ask, why am I saying these things? Why am I talking? Am I just trying to show how much I know? Am I trying to be the big shot teacher and corrector? Or am I genuinely and deeply concerned about this person? If we truly desire to speak from a motivational of love, motivation, the majority of the time we'll clothe our words with gentleness and kindness will emphasize the goodness of God and his love for that person rather than magnifying what they're done wrong. After all, the Bible says it is the goodness of God that leads to repentance, Romans 2, 4. It's his love in our hearts and in our lips that will inspire and encourage others to change. Amen and amen. And we can easily get that across if we pray Psalm 23 before we approach anyone and everything and our 
even our days, we can praise Psalm 23 for our days. For instance, we'll pray for tomorrow. We'll say, the Lord is tomorrow's shepherd, and I shall not want in tomorrow's events. The Lord makes tomorrow lie down in green pastures. The Lord leads tomorrow in paths of righteousness. The Lord restores tomorrow. Let's see how to get this right. In other words, you can say your time. Anyway, just say yourself, the Lord is my shepherd in my tomorrows. I shall not want. The Lord makes me lie down in green pastures and leaves me beside the still waters. The Lord restores my soul in my tomorrows. Yes, even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death. No, excuse me. The Lord is my shepherd. I will walk in righteousness for his name's sake. Okay, I'm getting off something here. It's not coming out properly, but you know what? You know what I'm trying to say. Thank you. One more, and I think I need to stop. <laughs> here you go. Limitless love. June 19. No sympathy, just love. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. 1 John 4, 4, New American Standard. As believers, we're to love people who are hurting. We are to love those in need. Notice I said love them, not sympathize with them. Love and sympathy are totally different things. They're not even kind to one another. Sympathy is a sense of pity that comes from the human mind and emotions. Sympathy virtually says, Oh, I feel so sorry for you. I wish there was something I could do for you. Sympathy seems outwardly sweet, but it has no true power to help. Sympathy just agrees with the hopelessness of the situation. Love, however, grabs the hand of faith, goes to God and says, Lord, what do you want me to do here? You're the great one and you're inside me, so let's apply your power and change the situation. Thank you for this situation just the way it is, Lord. And I can st start on step one, Lord, and how you see this situation. I'll never forget the first time I stepped into the revelation of love. It was back in the days when I was working as a pilot for Brother Oral Roberts. I flown him to a meeting for the first time, and I was assigned to help with the ministry of the sick. I was absolutely overwhelmed when I walked into the auditorium that day. There were several thousand people there, and almost all of them were sick. Many were terminally ill. The atmosphere was thick with the fear and oppression of pain and disease. I took one look at that place, turned around, and walked out. It scared me so bad, I decided right then I was going home. When my feet hit the sidewalk outside, however, the Lord stopped me cold. He literally stuck my feet to the pavement. What do you want, I asked. I want to know where you think you're going, he said. You know perfectly well 
where I'm going, Lord. I'm going home. It's terrible in there, and I don't have anything to offer those people. With a force that almost knocked me down, he answered, I know you don't, Kenneth, but I do. That's why I baptized you in the Holy Ghost. I did it so you could take my power and deliver it to people who need it. I did it so you could destroy the works of the devil and the lives of people just like those. Suddenly the scripture rose up in my heart. Greater is he that is in you. And I realized I didn't have to settle for sympathizing with people. I had the power of God to actually love them. I had within me the power that could change their condition. I turned right back around and marched into the place with a boldness I never had before. I went in there and saw the sick heal. I saw the oppressed delivered. I saw miracles happen. I saw what the power of love can do.